I'm Dr. John Berkey. This is Forward to the Future, Conversations in Superintendent Leadership. This is season two, which features insightful interviews on leadership with the retiring superintendents in the Large Unit District Association in Illinois. It's an opportunity to learn from educational leaders as they look back on their careers. Well, welcome to Forward to the Future as we are having conversations on superintendent leadership. And today we are uh, welcomed by Superintendent Roy Webb, who's been the superintendent in Quincy, Illinois for seven years and was also a a superintendent prior to that. So he's going to be sharing with us some of his leadership lessons and just some of the, the wisdom and experiences he's had throughout his career. So with that, Roy, welcome. It's good to have you. Thanks, John. It's it's great to be here this morning. And, and congratulations on your uh, upcoming upcoming retirement. So it's a great opportunity to look back on a on a on a wonderful career. So let's start at the very beginning. What what made you uh, decide to get into education and and ultimately to become a, a superintendent? Well, you know, I uh, I spent some time in the military and uh, you know right out of high school and. Uh, I came out of that. I continued on in the military and the National Guard, but uh, I figured I could do anything in the world that I wanted to do at that point. And uh, I really wanted to teach and coach. Uh, So I went and got my uh, teaching degree and uh, became a teacher. That was a great profession. I love teaching. I love coaching, but it was a lot of work. So I wanted to figure out uh, what I could do and maybe a little less stressful and a little less tough. So uh, I became a superintendent, but uh, I uh, I became an athletic director and a principal and then became superintendent, but uh, uh, very much just wanted to make an impact on my community and uh, and kids. And I thought that was the that was the calling for me. And uh, as I grew up in education, uh, I also grew up in the military and I became an officer and uh commanded at all levels, uh, detachment, company, uh, battalion, brigade. And uh, I retired about three years ago from the military after 36 years as uh, a joint task force commander. I, uh, I made it to the rank of general, which I'm proud of, but uh, it's, uh, it was a, a great career, but the, yeah, that ended about three years ago. And uh, now uh, uh, finishing up my superintendent's career. So before we get into superintendency, let's talk a little bit more about the military. So what what did that look like um, being in the National Guard while you were uh, practicing educator and superintendent? Like what was your your commitment like, your your activities? Well, I would tell you, I've been blessed to have uh, three very supportive uh, boards of education. Actually, in Chadwick Milledgeville, which is a very small school district, uh, I was uh, deployed uh, as Uh, Actually, I had just taken the assignment, and then a few days later, uh, uh, I got the call that I was going to be deployed to Afghanistan. And so I called that school board, and uh, I talked to the president, and I told them that even though they offered me the job, I would withdraw uh, my name, understanding that uh, that would cause hardship on the school district. And uh, to their benefit, uh, they said, absolutely not. So uh, they... Uh, They followed through and uh, kept me on, and uh, I was there about a month and a half, and then I uh, started my deployment to Afghanistan. They uh, they flew a a blue star flag the whole time I was gone over all their schools. 
Uh, They sent me uh, packages uh, throughout my uh, tenure or my time in Afghanistan. And when I returned, I presented them uh, a flag that flew over uh, my uh, my uh, organization while I was in Afghanistan. And I also presented them with my bronze star. I think uh, I think they still have them in a trophy case uh, there in uh, Chadwick Milledgeville, my second school district. Uh, I was promoted to Colonel and, and uh, Brigadier General while I was there. Uh, they made uh, made it into a great celebration, very much supported me. And before I came to Quincy, uh, I had told the Quincy board I had planned to retire and uh, from the guard. And uh, I was going to do that prior to even coming to Quincy. But uh, my boss, uh, two-star general, General Orr, asked me to stay on one more year, uh, you know, right before I came to Quincy. So I did have to reach out to the Quincy school board and I told them, hey, you know, I've been with uh, the Iowa Guard for for 35 years. My my boss has asked me to stay on one more year, so I'm gonna do that. I gave Quincy that opportunity. And uh, again, uh, you know, to show how supportive, you know, the Midwest is and Illinois schools, uh, our school board in uh, Quincy said, hey, uh, you're in the guard. We're in the guard. We're going to support you 100%. And they did. And uh, I actually uh, had some state deployments and uh, uh, some state emergency operations I had to take care of. And they were 100% supportive, as have they been to a lot of the I have uh, several young uh, army officers in our district and uh, retired uh, military people. And they're very supportive of them as well, too. So very blessed. Uh, to be part of the teams I've been part of. Oh, that's great. And and uh, how, how long did you serve in Afghanistan? Uh, that was my second deployment and I was there for about a year. Okay, so quite a while, okay. Wow, well, well. no, thank you definitely for your service there. And I'm sure uh, your, your, your service throughout your career in the military helped you as a, as a superintendent. And we'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit, but let's uh, get into, uh, you know, the point of this is to kind of impart some of the wisdom, the leadership lessons that you've learned over your career. So um, I think you've got you've got one big one you want to share with us. What is your leadership lesson that you can share with everybody? Well, and it's something that's allowed me, I think, to be very successful. And uh, that is uh, the lesson that, that you can delegate authority, uh, but you can't delegate responsibility. And uh I've always, uh, you know, we've had amazing teams, uh, especially here in Quincy, but in, uh, in all, you know, the three school districts I've been superintendent, I've really been part of great teams. And so uh, I'm a great delegator. Uh, I guess I'm naturally a pretty lazy guy. I don't like to do a lot. So I uh, pass a lot of things on to other people. Uh, but I think uh, people will tell you that even though I delegate a lot, uh, if there's a mistake, or if something goes awry or something's not up to a standard that we want, I I will take responsibility for that as superintendent. I don't think, uh, I'm not one to blame poverty or blame my school board or even, you know, blame the governor uh, or the state board of education. I'm, uh, I think we control a lot at the local level and, uh, and I'm responsible for that. So, if test scores haven't been where we want them or, or there's a mistake that occurs, I've always kind of come forward and said, hey, you know what? I'm ultimately responsible for the school district. It's, uh, it's my responsibility. I take responsibility. 
and then uh um but I, you know, I have an action plan on how we're going to fix things. Usually it's team oriented and we put those things together, but uh, we're going to do this, this, and this to get things going uh, in the right direction. And in, uh, in all my school districts, and especially here in Quincy, uh, that has really been um, uh, very well received by my communities. Uh, they will, they will talk about that. And uh uh, it's never been, you know, throwing stones when I come out and say, hey, uh, we messed up here and here's how we're going to fix it. It's always almost overwhelmingly uh, supportive and, uh, yep, everybody makes mistakes. And, yeah, we appreciate you coming forward. So uh, if I was talking to a young superintendent and giving him one piece of uh, advice uh, on leadership, uh, that's what I would tell them. I would say, you know. Uh, ultimately, it is your responsibility. You're the superintendent. So uh, uh, take that responsibility. And uh, I think uh, it'll be appreciated by people. I, I think that is just that is great advice. And I think it seems to be that we're in a society on many levels. And it happens in education, too, where we uh, do a lot of blaming of external factors. And, and you're right. The external factors matter. Right? I mean, they definitely do. But ultimately, if you're leading a school district, you have you have what you have and you can be upset at, you know, like you said, whether it's the state board or whether it's poverty situations or whatever, but, but if, if you don't accept responsibility, you're, you're probably not going to move the district forward as much. So I think that's great. I think that's great advice. So let's segue into um, what is a challenging situation that really stands out to you, you dealt with uh, in, in your career and, and how did, how did you handle it? was here in Quincy. So when I came into Quincy, uh, I knew, uh, uh, what was on, uh, the, uh, the immediate future. We were, uh, we were building five new elementary schools. We were renovating our high school and, uh, we were making some major transitions. So our high school was going to become a nine, 12 high school. Our junior high was going to become a six, eight middle school. And, uh, and we were going to go through a lot of transitions. We had K3 buildings and a four or five intermediate school. And we were basically going from 10, 10 elementary schools to five elementary schools. Uh, it was going to be uh, several years of chaos and uh, craziness in Quincy Public Schools. And I will tell you, it was going to be a huge challenge. I got out in front of our team uh, when I first arrived and I told them, you know, this was going to be like a six or seven year transition. And I said, we're going to condense that down. We're going to, we're going to build these uh, five elementary schools. We're going to do all these transitions in about three, four years, just because uh, I didn't want to just, you know, go through all that chaos for, for just so long. So we really condensed it. I said, stick with me uh, for three years and uh, we'll get all these new buildings built. Uh, we'll get you into new schools and uh, we'll get all these transitions done and then uh, we'll get back to normal. And uh, the team, uh, I, I kind of, you know, I said, uh, uh, you know, change sucks, embrace the suck. And that was kind of our battle cry uh, for those three years. And, and we did it. And, uh, we, you know, we were able to build the schools uh, ahead of schedule and, uh, you know, under budget and, uh, you know, and, the teachers were amazing. I mean, a lot of them were living out of boxes. I know if you've ever even moved out of a house to another house, you know, and, and teachers are, uh, you know, rat packs, pack rats. Uh, they, uh, 
Uh, so uh, we were able to move all their stuff. Our maintenance really handled a lot of the moving. Uh, we had teachers that had to move uh, from one school to another school and then finally to the new school. Uh, we had our, our junior high completely transition to a middle school and our high school go to a 9-12 in a newly renovated. They lived in their high school while they were building uh, a wing onto the high school for a year. It was just total chaos. But uh, the team really did uh, come through both uh, the leadership and the principals and, uh, and then the teaching staff and the sports staff all kind of took it on and uh, did an amazing job. And uh, uh, we did live through that three to four years of chaos, like I promised. And uh, we were getting back to normal and that's when COVID hit. So uh, it was, uh, uh, I kind of lied to them a little bit, but uh, I think they understood. And, uh, uh, you know, all school districts have been through a lot for two years, but really Quincy Public Schools has been going through a lot for seven years. So I really appreciate our, our teachers and our staff. They're a little wore out, but uh, I think this summer they'll be able to rest and relax and uh, they'll get back to hopefully a sense of normalcy next year. So let me go back to your military experience for a minute with that. So how is that, how have those leadership experiences, you said, getting all the way to general in the military, how, how did those leadership experiences help you as a superintendent in the challenging situations like you described or any others? Well, a lot of people think a, in the military, it's just a bunch of top-down orders and, uh, you know, you just order things and then people you know, step to it and they get it done. But uh, it's really, I think the military is much more team oriented. So uh, the leader, uh, you know, the commander is expected to give some, some guidance and uh, maybe uh, a little vision on the future, you know, what it's going to look like when we're done. And then, but uh, they kind of really relinquish a lot of uh, the authority and uh, the work uh, to their teams. And, so I kind of took that same approach uh, in my school districts and in especially in Quincy going through these challenging times. Uh, you know, we kind of wrote a little operations order and uh, gave a little guidance, a very little vision. And uh, educators are such amazing professionals. Uh, very rarely do they not exceed my expectations. So uh, that's what they did in this situation. But it's it was really much a team approach. And uh, I kind of uh, learned that in the military is... Uh, uh, just let your uh, your subordinates go to work, and they're gonna uh, they're gonna do amazing things, and and they did. Well, let me uh, let, let me make another segue then to our next question, but uh, kind of from the military. You know, the military was was really, I think, the first big organization in this country to become integrated after after World War II, and. Um, I, you know, schools, of course, uh, became, uh, you know, became desegregated by, by law in the 50s. But in practice, there are, there are still a lot of places where there's a lot of division. And we've, you know, I think, been focused a lot more on equity and providing equitable opportunities for all students, whether it's racial diversity, economic diversity. Talk a little bit about that and the work you've done in Quincy um, around equity issues. Well, I'm going to, if it's okay, I'll start with a, a little story of two young men in our district uh, and uh, uh, Roger and DJ, and uh, I knew them both very well. DJ was a, a great young kid. He was on our football team. Uh, he uh, 
uh, an amazing young man. I actually picked him up one day on the way to school. He was late. Uh, looked like he was going to be pretty late getting to school. It was probably one of those days. Uh, it should have been a snow day and I didn't call it off. So I was probably getting beat up on Twitter. And, uh, so I picked him up, uh, and, uh, hauled him into school and, uh, we got to have a conversation on the way in. He's one of those kids with a great big smile and a, a laugh. And, uh, we had a good time. And, uh, every day after that, when I crossed paths with him in the high school, he would always, Hey, Mr. Webb, you know, a big smile, big, uh, so uh, big wave. And, uh, you know, I felt real cool. Uh, and then, uh, I will tell you that, uh, a DJ was actually shot and killed, uh, by Roger. I did not know, and it didn't happen in the school, but uh, I didn't uh, I didn't know Roger very well until after uh, that occurrence. He was actually placed into our detainee facility, you know, uh, here, you know, awaiting his trial. And uh, we have a schoolhouse there. And uh, I actually, uh, you know, requested that he not be in our school uh, just for safety reasons. He appealed to me. He reached out to me and said, hey. Mr. Webb, could I talk to you about this? I really want to continue my school. I want to graduate. He was actually going to be in that facility for probably about a year, you know, going through trial, pre-trial and everything. So I went out and I talked to Roger and uh, I got to know him as well, too. He was uh, uh, he was a good kid. He uh, he was bright. He loved to read. He loved to read about history. And uh, so I actually allowed him into our school and, uh, you know, with the some uh, assurances from the, the guards there and the, the director there, but uh, uh, he ended up graduating ahead of schedule. And uh, at graduation, I remember I gave him, uh, you know, one of my favorite books because he loved to read about history, Killer Angels. It's about uh, Gettysburg and the Civil War. So, uh, uh, you know, both of these young men had uh, families that cared about them. Uh, both of them had uh, goals in life. Uh, both of them uh, were bright and uh, both of them were uh, uh, blue devil dropouts. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I st still get, you know, a little shook up when I talk about them, but uh, that was, uh, that was probably my, you know, that was a failure on my part. Uh, why did these two good young men uh, uh, not, you know, make it through our school system? And uh uh, it really shook me up and uh, it really made me question, you know, what we were doing, why we were doing it and, uh, and what, and, and if they, we would have had a better superintendent at that time, the situation might've been better for DJ and Roger. I, I was convinced about that. So, uh, uh, you know, we, uh, we started a diversity and inclusion group. Really. Uh, we, I think we, we, we've changed the name of that to uh, dignity and belonging and uh, we've, uh, I think uh, leaders have to be directly involved. It has to be a priority. Uh, uh, you know, we're a good school district. Quincy's a, a great school district. We care about kids. Our teachers care about kids. Uh, but there's got, you know, but we have an a, achievement gap and we have a graduation gap. Our African-American kids do not graduate at the same rate or level as our white kids. And uh, uh, we got to figure that out. And uh, I didn't figure that out during my time. Uh, you know, we've uh, uh, we've we've done some initiatives. We worked at it, but uh, uh, I know Dr. Pettit, our, our follow-on. I've already talked with him about it. He's a 
he's engaged in our diversity and inclusion group. And uh, I know he's going to carry on and do some good things. We've done equity audits, uh, but we're going to continue to explore. I brought in uh, leaders of our community uh, to help with that. Some of them have been very helpful for me and uh, helped me learn not only about our school district, but it helped me learn about myself and some of my own biases. I, I'm, uh, I understand that 100%. So uh, uh, I'm not so sure I'm the right person to talk about uh, this issue because I haven't been real successful, but uh, I'm gonna, it's gonna be a big part of my life, uh, the rest of my life. And uh, uh, because of uh, uh, the things that uh, I've done in the past and the things that I live with. Let me let me flip to uh, uh, I asked you earlier about uh, about a challenging situation you dealt with. Let me flip this around. And when you look back on your experience as a superintendent, if you had to identify one thing you're just most proud of that you accomplished, what would it be? Uh, that's easy for me. That's an easy question. I'm definitely most proud of the team that I leave in place. Uh I've, I think there's, you know, four or five of my principals that I've hired that uh, are now superintendents. Uh, Dr. Pettit, who's worked for me the last three years here in Quincy, he's going to be the new superintendent of Quincy. Uh, you know, I've hired a lot of principals and, uh, you know, the team here in Quincy, as I walk out the door, they're an amazing group from the central office. A lot of great young leaders that are doing amazing things to all the principals. I think I've placed them all except for one uh, principal. And uh, because we did that major transition, uh, a lot of the principals stayed, but I placed them in their new school. And so it was, uh, it's the team uh, of leaders that, uh, that I've left in place. Uh, they're a great group and uh, I'm very proud of them. And uh, they're gonna, that's gonna be my legacy, my kind of my coaching tree as, I, as it would be. And uh, that's what I'm most proud of. Uh, uh, I've worked with some amazing teachers, some outstanding kids, and uh, it's fun to follow them when they head off to a military academy like the Air Force Academy or our valedictorian a couple of years ago went to the United States Military Academy. And it's fun to follow those kids, but I'm definitely most proud of uh, the team that, and the teams that I've left uh, in, in, in my, uh, in my uh, place. So you know, we spent a lot of time talking about you and your leadership, but all, all leaders look to other people for inspiration, you know, whether it's leaders that they've read about and don't know personally or people they do know personally. Who's somebody or, or people that you, uh, you look to that are leaders that inspire you? And I get a chance to talk every now and then, uh, you know, to organizations and I talk about leadership and uh, leaders that I've known. And, and one that I talk about often is uh, Sergeant Bobby Briggs. Uh, he was uh, part of uh, my command, uh, my brigade command, uh, when, uh, and they were in Iraq at the time. Uh, the, the engineer battalion uh, was in Iraq. And there was, uh, they were in a pretty rough spot in Air Ramadi, Iraq, uh, during a tough time of the war. And there was a, uh, a mortar attack on his compound and it hit close to Bobby. And he lost the use of his legs. He, uh, he had an eye removed uh, and he had actually part of his brain removed because uh, there was so much pressure built up on his brain. They had to remove part of his skull to relieve that pressure. And they actually placed uh, his uh, part of his skull in his stomach to be 
uh, replace later. I guess that's just a way to keep it uh, fresh or whatever. But uh, he uh, ended up uh, going, uh, you know, being uh, uh, evacuated to Landstuhl, Germany, and then on to Minneapolis, Minnesota in a VA hospital. And I drove up uh, to visit Bobby there. And uh, I was going to go in. I was kind of expecting a guy who was uh, very upset at the world, you know, why me upset at the army, upset at his country. Uh, and I didn't get to see any of that. As soon as I walked in, he put me at ease. He was joking. We were laughing. Uh, he uh, said he was going to get a glass eye, his, uh, the American flag on his glass eye. And uh, he was just uh, very jovial. And uh, I got up to, to leave after, you know, I'd been there a couple hours uh, with him and his wife. And I said, hey, uh, Bobby, if there's everything, anything I can do for you, uh, please let me know. And I got up to leave and he said, hey, sir, uh, there is one thing you can do for me. And I was thinking uh, he was going to ask about, you know, how he's going to take care of his family or his health care or, uh, you know, he hadn't received his Purple Heart yet. So I was wondering if he was going to ask about that. Uh, and uh, it was none of that. He uh, turned to me and he said, hey, sir, if there is one thing you can do for me, uh, the engineers are going to come back in a couple of weeks. And uh, when they do, uh, if the doctors let me, do you think it would be all right if I could be there with my team? I think my team would really enjoy that. Uh, this young uh, NCO, uh, you know, wasn't worried about himself, wasn't uh, really worried about his own family or his own situation. He was still worried about his team. And if I ever thought as a leader, if I could reach that level of uh, selfless service and commitment to my team, uh, uh, I could be, you know, a great leader. Uh, and, uh, because Bobby was Sergeant Briggs, he was just worried about his team. What a, uh, what a great young lesson for, for me as a, a leader, uh, to hear that from him. So, uh, just that, uh, that selfless service. And, uh, when, uh, people ask me about leaders, I bring up, uh, Sergeant Bobby Briggs all the time. Well, what a, yeah, no, definitely. What a great example he was. But I also have to say, I think you're a great example of, uh, of a great leader as well. And, and uh, we've been talking with, uh, with Roy Webb about both uh, your, your experience as a superintendent, um, but also your experience in the military. And Roy, I want to wish you the best in retirement. And thank you very much for, for talking with us today on uh, Forward to the Future. All right. Thanks, John. I enjoyed it. 